Mindful Self-Indulgence contains adult language, content, and spoilers for the topic at hand. Listener discretion is advised. Hi, I'm SpriteGuard. Let's talk about questionable content. So, Sprite Guard, how did you find questionable content? I got really into webcomics in high school, and I think a little bit... I don't remember if it was toward the end of middle school or if it was early on in high school, but my brother introduced me to one of the first webcomics that was called Ozzy and Millie, and it was about these two anthropomorphic foxes it was very heavily inspired by Calvin and Hobbes, and I was really enamored with it, and I started looking for more like that, and it was becoming this really big thing at the time. Mm-hmm. Early 2000s were kind of a golden age of web comics where a lot of stuff was being started. As with any golden age, a lot of it was bad, a lot of it didn't go anywhere, (laughs) but there was a lot of stuff coming out, and a lot of creativity, and I had a lot of time, because I was in high school and not very motivated. (laughs) Like one is. And one of the comics was in a style that, at the time, was very big. I don't know if it's as big now, but... You could call them will-they-or-won't-they comics. And there were so many web comics in this format of there's a guy and a girl and they share a living space or some other close communal space and there mm-hmm. is sexual tension between them and the comic kind of just rides that. Right. And... Being a sexually frustrated teenager, I was really into that. So sure. <laughs> I, I started reading this one, and it was also about independent music and music snobs, which I was becoming at the time. That was when I was really getting introduced to Pitchfork and avant-garde music, all that stuff. Sure. And that's one of the things that this comic was about was was all of the characters were into independent music. They all read Pitchfork. And it started out really flat. It was so much your quintessential webcomic. The very first comic is the guy is coming home from an unnamed crappy office job, and his pet robot offers to plug into the TV and show him porn. And that's how the comic starts, which is like the most inauspicious start that you could have. (laughs) But I stuck with it. And the characters started to get developed. Okay. And it started to shift away from... It's always been a gag comic. And in my opinion, Mm -hmm. laugh out loud funny most of the time. But it shifted away from just being a series of disconnected gags and started developing the relationships and introducing more characters. And as the author matured, 
he started focusing more and more on the characters' relationships and on creating a very particular kind of experience. Eventually, he settled the will they or won't they, and he said, no, they won't. Okay. And he shifted it to a comic about friends who all have this coffee shop in common. Sorry? The Friends theme. It was just the Friends theme. Oh, okay. I, I actually never saw Friends. Well, it's about a group of friends who all share a coffee shop in common. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a big will they or won't they plot. <laughs> that's that's. I'm saying that he copied Friends like everybody else who was making webcomics at this time. Also, there's apparently no black people in New York. Just fun fact in that show. There's just, <laughs> just, there are... <laughs> quite a few that's actually that's one of so one of the one of the big themes one of the big reasons that i love questionable content is because the author matured so much so at the beginning it's a very white comic it's just white 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 and now there's quite a lot more diversity that's what i'll say okay and it started out as really stereotypes you know the main character was 20 something guy doesn't have any direction in his life works a crappy job at an office doesn't really want for anything but has no purpose in his life uh he meets uh Faye, who is the the sassy woman who is threatening to punch people and is always reserved and cracking jokes and then they meet her boss at the coffee shop that she works at who is a goth and is always listening to goth music and it's it's you know it's very stereotyped like that and you compare that to some of the recent stuff uh one of one of the arcs recently was about a character named Brun, B-R-U-N, short for Brunhilde, who is a bartender. And when you first meet her, she's an odd character, and you don't really know... She's She feels like a caricature of, like, a very reserved, very straightforward person. And... She takes everything literally, and she has a a fairly narrow view of the world. And then you get to know her, and she really develops into a really cool character. And then there's a scene where she she has really developed into this very strong character at this point, and she's talking, and... The subject, I think the subject of, of teasing or of autism came up and she starts to kind of go on this thing about how when she was a kid, she was weird and kids called her autistic to insult her. And mm-hmm. then she said, and when I was diagnosed, I didn't know what autism was except for something that was bad. Right. And this this reveal was like, it was a surprise, but it was also not a surprise. 
because he'd built up her character so well that it was like, okay, that totally makes sense. And I was actually tweeting recently about this, about how Brune was a really big source of representation for me of an autistic character who was not a savant and not a goof Hmm. and was just a person. And that's the kind of development that you have between the, the beginning and the current comic is you know, from these really stereotyped characters to this really strong representation with well-developed characters. It's cool that somebody who started a strip that was about a disaffected white guy coming home and plugging in his robot pet to watch porn has developed into something that can have well-developed characters like this that other people can see themselves in. Yeah, and actually, I told you, before we started, I told you about Hanalore. I don't think I used her name, but Hanalore was introduced really early on. She was, I think, maybe the third or fourth character. Martin, the disaffected white guy, is drinking himself into a stupor because of his will-they-or-won't-they relationship with Faye and his disaffection with his job. And he's so drunk that he goes into the women's restroom and pees in the sink, like, without realizing. And this <laughs> this woman is, like, kind of just teasing him for it. Mm-hmm. And they start talking, and she's kind of the, the lol-crazy OCD character that you see in okay. a lot of... A lot of that kind of humor. Right. And especially from that time period. Yes. And she becomes a recurring character and like like with everyone else, he just Jeff just keeps developing her character and and turning her from a caricature into a human being. And she actually when when she's really new and when she's kind of more just a caricature she actually has one of my favorite lines in the series. Is Martin asked her if, you know, if you have all of this anxiety, why do you have so many piercings and why do you smoke cigarettes? And she said, a girl's got to have some glaring contradictions in her life. And that just stuck with me. Like that line just, I just think about that line sometimes. Yeah, I think that's cool because. Uh, as somebody who suffers from anxiety, sometimes I can do things that people would be like, "How do how if you have anxiety, how can you do that thing?" And even as a caricature, she's not a complete caricature. Yeah, if that makes sense. Like already, it's kind of laying the groundwork. Whether he knew it or not, whether he just thought it was a funny joke, you can build from that, and I think that's cool. Yeah, and he has said that. From the beginning, one of his core themes was acceptance. And that's something that you see throughout the whole thing. One of the reasons that I love it is because there's a lot of drama. There's a lot of ups and downs. 
But it's never because of deception, and it's never because of rejection. People are always incredibly honest and incredibly accepting. I've said before that kind of the thing that gets me the most in art is honorable people treating each other decently. That will make me, that will bring me to tears. I was listening to this really pulpy radio series that was all about this insurance investigator catching bad guys in their lies and finding stolen art and stuff. And every once in a while, there would be an episode that would just bring me to tears because it was honorable people treating each other well. And that's questionable content at its heart. It's just really honest people trying to do well by each other. So wholesome. Yeah. I, I like wholesome, and I like that wholesome is kind of in right now. Oh yeah, wholesome's in in a big way, and I love it. One of the comics' kind of quintessential moments of acceptance is these characters are at a house party on a lake, and two of the characters are starting to fall in love. It's the main character, Martin, who, by this point, it's like an ensemble cast, and he's not the main character anymore. Okay. And he's falling in love with this relatively new character, this library science student named Claire. And they're getting pretty close, and she comes out to him as trans. Okay. And he basically says, okay. And she's like, does does that change anything? And he says, no. Aww. And there's a scene later on where they're they're in a bedroom and they're getting more intimate. And she stops him and she says, you know, before we, we go any farther, she undresses and she says, this is me. And he just says, you're beautiful. Aww. And... Of course, the the meme engine twisted that into some pretty unfortunate things, but that was that was a, a good scene. And Claire is is another one of those characters who's just so lovable. She's she's really into puns. I'm really into puns, and she's like she's into puns in the same way that I am. Sounds like my kind of gal. <laughs> She's she's just a wonderful character. Everybody loves Claire. Oh, well that's good. And I was talking before about representation with uh, with Brune. And I feel like representation is just something that Jeff has so well down. And he also beyond representation, he also creates an experience of acceptance that goes Beyond just, oh, look, this character accepted this other character, isn't he so noble? But he makes you feel accepted. I think partly by letting you project onto his characters. 
And so when you see your insecurities in them, and then you see those insecurities accepted by the other characters, that creates this experience. One of the things that I love about the comic, one of the ways that I would summarize why the comic is so big to me is actually to steal something that my dad said about Casablanca. I asked my dad, why is Casablanca such a great movie? Mm -hmm. And he said, it's because they say and do the things that we wish they would do instead of the things they really would have done. Interesting. And I feel like questionable content really lives that same strategy of characters always do what you want them to do. And that's really gratifying. And I think there's there's a need for both media where we can see ourselves mm -hmm. as we are and media where we can see our aspirations mm -hmm. and what we want to be. For sure. And I think, to me, questionable content is really about seeing someone I can relate to being better than I can be. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's a lot of escapism. It's just centered around that core idea of giving us someone we can project ourselves onto and seeing them be the best possible version of themselves. And by vicariously living through them in that moment, we feel like on some level we're helping achieve the best possible version of ourselves or at least can inspire us to want to achieve the best possible version of ourselves. And that's not to say there isn't drama, because there is mm -hmm. drama. It's it's still a soap opera. It's still... It's a lot of romantic ups and downs. There's uh, one arc kind of in the, the comics adolescence where um, Martin is dating Dora, who's the owner of the coffee shop. Okay. And she's very insecure. And her insecurities keep coming between them. And they really want to make the relationship work. But these insecurities keep coming up. And where it breaks down is... The characters from the beginning that I talked about, the will they or won't mm -hmm. they, uh, Martin and Faye... When they hit their decision of, we will not date, they become really fast friends, really close friends. They're roommates at this point. They have been roommates for a long time. And all of this is leading up to, there's a level of friendship um, that you might call underpants friends. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that seems like the most PG way of stating that. I, I mean, it is it is a very PG concept. It's the idea of somebody that you can be in the room in your underpants, and it's a non-issue. Okay. See, my perverted mind went, fuck, buddy. And you're just like, no, I mean just like two friends hanging out in their underwear. What's wrong with that? And so Faye, in the middle of the night, has a, a really bad breakdown, and Martin comes and comforts her. Mm -hmm. 
and he's in his boxers because he's just been a you know he's just gotten out of bed she's in her underpants because she's just gotten out of bed and you know they're they're sitting there they're talking um and he's giving her a hug as as friends do and dora comes out and sees them and she knows that they have this very deep platonic relationship but it triggers her insecurities mm-hmm. and it makes her it it brings back this feeling of being that she's being Martin's second choice because he couldn't date Faye. And eventually those insecurities end up driving them apart and they, they stop dating. Martin goes on in kind of in his, in his rebound phase, he goes and he, he makes some pretty bad decisions. Like one does. Yeah. And he kind of sleeps around a little bit and stirs up drama because he falls in love with somebody that somebody else loves, and it it was a turgid adolescence for the comic as a whole. But throughout the entire time, they are completely honest with each other, and they are understanding and they try to be good to each other and this later comes back up when dora ends up falling in love with martin's boss and they get together and he's like i'm glad you're happy and she's like she's kind of can't let go of like she's sure that he's going to be upset because you know, she's gone from being in a relationship with mm-hmm. him and breaking it off because of her insecurities to into this relationship with his boss. And he's just he's just like I'm glad you're happy. And that's that's a way I like seeing that represented because that's how I've tried to approach my own relationships, because I have had a lot of breakdowns in my relationships. I have not been a few people's puzzle pieces. That's how that's how the first person who ever dumped me uh, said it was. You're not my puzzle piece. Oof. And um, and that's kind of how I've thought about it. And uh, when I was fell out of kind of my most intense relationship, when I was really deeply in love, and they broke it off. And I was really upset. One of the things that I kind of held on to was they're the same person. This is still the person I'm in love with. They have done something that has hurt me and they have ended this particular relationship we had. Mm-hmm. But this is still the coolest person in the world. This is still the person that I've known since middle school. I still want the best for this person. Mm-hmm. And that has helped us really heal our relationship because we still really like each other. I mean, some people, they break up and then they can never, they can never interact with their exes again because they just fundamentally don't like the person that they realize that they were. And so, regardless of the relationship, romantic, platonic, 
familial. It's cool that a break like that can happen where you realize we can't continue down this current path. And maybe you hurt yourself or the other person in the process. And then to come back around and be like, but I still want to be on these parallel tracks with you. I still want to have some kind of connection with you. Even if it wasn't the way that we thought it was going to be at one point in time. Yeah. And and that kind of approach is how this coffee shop has, has stayed so tight-knit is... Even, even when some really bad things happen, they still are committed to the friendship. Faye, at one point, becomes an alcoholic and is fired for drinking on the job. Oof. And she, she stops going to the coffee shop for a while, and eventually she comes back and there's once again that kind of that healing of they still want the best for each other they've had this conflict where they you know they had these these big fights these these really difficult things they went through but that didn't change who they were mm -hmm. it just changed how they related to each other and it didn't change the underlying friendship, the underlying, they still really, the, they still cared about each other. That, that existence of caring didn't stop. Now, I mean, since we're kind of talking about Faye already, did you want to get into Faye's dad? Faye's dad was a major turning point for the comic. How's that? It had been a gag-a-day comic that had very little internal cohesion. It was a series of jokes about independent music culture and being in your 20s in Northampton. And then it started to develop a more serious tone. One of, you know, one of the things that was going on was Faye was started out as this this kind of tundere character who was really feisty and and sassy and a really heavy drinker and as the comic developed what had been jokes became a very serious thing and so eventually Faye reveals that her father committed suicide in front of her. Oof. And that's the moment, you know, I was talking earlier about the will they or won't they. That's where she says, here's why I can't be in a relationship. Here's why I don't feel like I can be in a relationship. Basically because I don't trust men to not abandon me. And so that whole arc was really where the comic shifted from a gag comic mm -hmm. to a soap opera that still remained really funny. I'm now realizing that I have not talked at all about the role that robots play in their society. Mm -hmm. 
and that's like not talking about the insects in Nausicaa. <laughs> Half the cast is robots. And one of the one of the characters, one of the robots, is this very taciturn soldier robot named Bubbles, who is very large, always wears armor, and is very serious, and she has been developing a relationship with Faye. They've been getting uh, they start out, they meet working at this underground robot fighting club. Okay. Where people watch robots fight each other and bet on it. That tracks. And they end up becoming really close, basically because Faye is, is really interested in getting bubbles out of her shell, and then because the person who runs the robot fighting ring, uh, whose name is Corpse Witch, okay. is very corrupt and has been manipulating Bubbles. And so Faye and Bubbles become closer as Faye helps her get out from under this manipulation. I can't believe a lady named Corpse Witch turned out to be bad. <laughs> Corpse Witch. We need two bad things. Hey, hey, Mac. We need two <laughs> corpse. One more. Witches? How about a witch corpse? Nah, that ain't good. Corpse witch. Eh? Eh? <laughs> Put it in. So, after the corruption is exposed, the robot fighting ring goes out of business, and Faye and Bubbles are basically on the street. They're not literally on the street. Um, Faye still lives with Martin. Mm-hmm. And knows that she can stay with him rent-free while she's getting back on her feet. Because they're really close. Mm-hmm. And, and and that's an oversimplification. But, but she, she knows that she won't be on the street. And she basically invites Bubbles back because Bubbles has nothing at this point. And then they end up starting a business together because they realize that they've been repairing these fighting robots for so long that they really know how to repair robots and so they start this robot repair business okay so that's that's the development of their relationship and then there's a moment where Faye accidentally touches Bubbles' butt. <laughs> okay, we're going full anime. And there is this amazing... One of the comics was an animated gif, just so that it could show a Tetris piece falling into her thought bubble and forming like the, the line pieces coming down and making the center of a heart, and that completes <laughs> a heart. It's adorable. And so she runs to Martin to talk to him. And Bubbles... I don't remember who Bubbles goes to talk to, but pretty quickly, everyone starts to figure out that something went down with Faye and Bubbles, and they are 
starting to think that they're into each other. Okay. And at one point, Claire says, if they don't end up together, you should all know that I'm going to be petulant and bitchy for the rest of the week, or something (laughs) like that. Oh, and then um, Ty, Martin's boss, who's now dating Dora, basically concurs. Mm -hmm. And... Jeff, at the bottom of the page, put this comment saying, Claire and Ty are stand-ins for the audience. (laughs) And so that's the kind of self-awareness that the comic has, is... I have described it as Jeff introduces some new characters and then ships all of them. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And that's that's how the long-term arc of the comic progresses. And, and so that's the kind of self-awareness it has that it doesn't grab you by the shoulders and say, hey, this is a comic, but <laughs> things happen with an awareness that they are in a comic world. So I talked about the, the role that robots play is huge. Um, about half the cast is robots, it starts out, it's just the only robot is Pint Size, which is the um, the pet robot that is obsessed with pornography and is just kind of a troublemaker. But gradually it's developed out into this is a world where sentient AI exists and people interact with robots every day in different ways and everybody has or nearly everybody not everybody but a lot of people have companion robots that follow them around and robots have have different different roles in society generally they are very human like and they fill very human roles in society so at least on like that level they seem pretty well integrated yes and there are you know they talk about human robot relations in a lot of different ways which is a topic that i am really into clearly based off of the two things the last time i was on this show <laughs> we talked about uh human robot relations and a comic where half the cast is robots so I'm, I'm noticing a pattern. A little bit of a pattern. I look forward to your next uh, episode, which is just about my life as a teenage robot. <laughs> okay, see, see, the problem is... So those are the two good robot comics I know. Mm-hmm. And if we tried to do a third robot comic, it would be Chobits. It would be Chobits. And I would just spend... You know, I I can spend two hours talking about how much I love Yokohama Shopping Trip and how much I love questionable content. I could fill two hours with just talking about how much I hate Chobits. <laughs> that would be kind of the antithesis of this show. I feel like that's just most YouTube videos. You, at home, the listener, <laughs> think of something you love. Now look for it on YouTube. I bet there's a sweaty white man telling you how much it sucks. <laughs> Oh, also, there's Time of Eve, which is uh, another 
It's an animated series uh, that is also about the relationship between humans and robots, and in that one, uh, it's it's a much more subservient kind of robot-made type of relationship. Okay. And that one all takes place in this cafe where the, the premise is that robots all have these halos that indicate that they're robots. Okay. And in this cafe, they turn off their halos and nobody's allowed to ask whether you're a human or a robot. I can think of a couple of parallels there. I don't know how apt they are, but I think they're pretty obvious to the audience as well. So, I mean, that's that's one of the cool things about questionable content is that robots exist in this in this relationship that is there's a perception of subservience and there's this companion robots, but it's not this slave culture. It's a culture where there are these intelligent non-human beings and people have tried to relate with them. There was a robot civil rights movement at some point in the comics past, okay. kind of pre the start of the comic. There's one of the things that they talk about is that Bubbles was a soldier and a lot of robots are really upset by that because of anti-robot prejudice. They feel like a robot becoming a soldier is giving robot bigots, anti-robot bigots, fuel. Okay. Because it's that, you know, robot uprising, killer robot kind of image. Mm-hmm. And... Bubbles saw it as kind of the the way that a lot of a lot of military people phrase it as doing something for her country, doing something for humanity. Mm-hmm. And she did a lot of things that she really regrets. So Bubbles' military career actually ties into the corruption in the robot fighting ring. And to another character that I'm really excited to introduce. So she did some stuff that was really bad. And it's never really specified what happened. But Corpse Witch encrypted the memories. Because Bubbles couldn't handle having the memories, but she didn't want to just erase them because she felt like that would be betraying the the people that she had fought with and she she felt like she wanted to keep their memory but it had to be isolated from her mind and so corpse witch was someone who was able to do this but corpse witch used an encryption key and didn't give it to Bubbles. And so she used that encryption key to manipulate Bubbles and control her. And this ended up getting the attention of SpookyBot. I know you're being real serious, but Corpse Witch and then SpookyBot, it's just... <laughs> it is It is still a comedy webcomic. Okay. It's like, 
it it gets real serious it touches on some real serious issues and it keeps a sense of humor through all of it and i love that gotcha and spooky bot later is renamed to yay new friend oh good (laughs) that's an upgrade i guess and so when spooky bot first appears um they introduce themselves as uh have you ever heard the question do androids dream of electric sheep well we are what wakes them up screaming and they're basically this effectively omnipotent effectively omniscient super intelligent ai and they go to corpse witch and they say you have transgressed one of our very few moral principles Hmm. and then they basically free bubbles uh get help the police arrest corpse witch provide all of the evidence that they need and just wrap everything up by using their deus ex machina powers literally deus ex machina yes yes and then um later on they start to just hang around the police officer who is involved who is named roco basilisk which is a hell of a name yeah so in artificial intelligence theory in our real world there is a thought experiment called Rocco's Basilisk, which is like one of the most controversial thought experiments in, in AI, mm-hmm. which is the idea that a super intelligent artificial intelligence could eliminate human suffering, cure all diseases, end all wars, and so it might decide that the benefit of a superintelligence existing is so important that anyone who does not contribute to the development of that superintelligence will be tortured by this superintelligence. That took a real sharp turn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And it plays on a lot of the fears that the uh, artificial intelligence researchers have. Or I guess, not even researchers, but um, artificial intelligence philosophers. And it's actually, the thought experiment is almost designed more to play on the fears of AI philosophers than it is to make a point. Okay. And so it caused this really big hubbub and was actually like banned from being discussed it's weird and so the kind of petty beat officer in this comic is named roco basilisk <laughs> and spooky bot starts hanging out with roco basilisk they have this really weird dynamic because roco ends up quitting her job as a police officer Mm -hmm. Uh, in order to try and make the world better because she feels like being a police officer isn't actually 
achieving what she wanted to achieve. And so she's kind of flippant toward, uh, toward SpookyBot and saying, you know, you have all of this power, why aren't you using it to make the world better? And because it's a comedy comic, they have a lot of sassy back and forth. And eventually they become friends. And SpookyBot says, you know, I've, I've never had a name, but I guess I'm going to um, take on the name Yay New Friend. Because Yay New Friend. And, and so there again is, is the kind of awareness that the comic has of being simultaneously really serious and really ridiculous. All I can think about is instances in media where somebody has a super serious job and then their name is like Squanchy Boo Boo. I don't know. Just (laughs) something ridiculous. And so it's kind of like that. But it reads very differently to me for some reason. I guess it's because maybe there's a little more heart to the under... Like... To the ridiculousness, maybe? It's it's because the context is there. It's because this is not an isolated incident. This is not a throwaway. This is how mm-hmm. the world is. That mm-hmm. It's a little bit similar okay. to The Hitchhiker's Guide, where it follows this rule of funny, mm-hmm. where it will propose something ridiculous... And then that's just the way things are. Gotcha. Like, there's there's one scene where, um, when Martin and Dora are first hooking up, they leave the, leave the coffee shop, they're gone for a while, and then they come back, and they're wearing different clothes, and... Everyone's like, oh, you know, you you went off and had sex. And they were like, no, we got attacked by a bunch of monks and we had to defend ourselves with a stop sign kind of thing. I, d- I don't remember the exact story, but they make up some obviously fake joke answer. Mm-hmm. And then later on, you meet the warrior monks that they had run into. Gotcha. That's definitely a, a sort of setup payoff that I've seen before. Yeah. But it's cool that it's just built into this this particular world. On the one hand, it's funny and it's weird that this omniscient robot named itself Yay New Friend, mm-hmm. but on the other hand, it's it fits. It works. Because he did all of that work up front establishing a world in which characters act in really quirky and impulsive ways and it's endearing and it works. Nice. And it's cool that none of it feels out of place. That somehow it can all be woven together and be this cohesive, organic sort of world where, sure, we have an omniscient robot named Yay New Friend and also we can have this really impactful and heartwarming subplot about a cis guy and a trans woman dating and him being super accepting. That's still a thing we're working on. (laughs) That's still like a big fucking thing that we haven't, as a society, learned to just fucking accept yet. 
I want to say I don't I I'm always I'm always skeptical of how much things, you know, we we attribute influences to things and we say, you know, this did this, that did that. I think that questionable content has actually made me a more accepting person and made me more able to roll with roll with people's quirks and roll with the the differences and the 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 humanness of it all. Mm-hmm. And I I often kind of think, you know, how would how would Martin respond to this? How would Hanalor respond to this? Sure. I think good characters and good media can do that. I think some media was specifically designed to do that. I mean, look at the works of Jim Henson. Yeah. I mean, look at Fred Rogers. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> there are entire swaths of creative content questionable or otherwise that inspire us to be more accepting inspire us to be better versions of ourselves not out of self-aggrandizement or self-accomplishment but because it makes everybody else around us better because it means leaving a campsite better than you found it yeah or to to co-opt as a white man uh, Martin Luther King Jr.'s the moral arc of the universe bending towards justice. Yeah. That sort of just kind of progressive, uh, not progressive in a political sense, but paying it forward, as it were. Paying it forward is something really important to me because I got given so much and I would not be here if I had not been given so much. Oh, for sure. I think the same as could probably you said for me even if i mean even <laughs> even as like a disabled person without a diagnosis in poverty living at their parents house i still have been given so much that others have not been afforded in their life and it's important to pull people up along with you yeah so i'm glad that questionable content has helped inspire better behavior in its readership because surely you're not the only one yeah and whenever you know whenever he takes on a new issue like um how recently he's been focusing on a character who uh was formerly incarcerated he always does so with that attitude of acceptance and that that perspective of approaching it with a lot of love and, and with a lot of care and with you know, also with a lot of caution of really making sure that he understands the perspective before he portrays it. Mm-hmm. And really, you know, exposing people to new new takes on on the ideas, you know. It's I think I grew up and I think a lot of people grew up with a particular idea of what formerly incarcerated people are like and mm-hmm. um, you know a, a particular idea of how we should relate to them that you know in in my upbringing a lot of the time came from fear mm-hmm. and reading May's story has really been giving me 
some insight, and at the same time, my father has started working with formerly incarcerated people, trying to, he's right now trying to put together a program to um, give people re-entry support, and that's something that he has been struggling with, um, in part because of the, the fear and the stigma, and just in part because of how much the system is designed mm-hmm. to make things hard. It is. And it's a very different culture inside and outside of jail, prison, however you want to contextualize yeah. it, whatever size you're looking at of incarcerating people. And I, I think, you know, what I'm thinking about and what um, what May's story is about is is more about not even the cultural differences, but the, uh, the, the systematic things of mm-hmm. one of the things that my dad talks about is when you get out, they give you $100 in a bus ticket. Mm-hmm. And uh, especially in California, the prison is very far in northern California. And the parole office is in San Diego. Oof. And there is no way to get from the prison to the parole office before your hearing. Jesus. That's... Yeah, I mean... I'm not surprised, but still, that is awful. Yeah, and so that's the the reentry part a project that he's that he's working on is trying to find people who will basically take you grocery shopping and drive you to appointments because you're really coming out of that starting with nothing. Mm-hmm. And that's what uh, that's what co- questionable content really focuses on is. Right now, the thing is that, um, you know, she's a robot, and so she has, instead of a a body, she has a chassis. And it's like, it's in really bad condition, it's falling apart. Uh, The only job she can get is, doesn't pay well enough to really repair it. Mm -hmm. And Roko, this former cop who has, has kind of, because of her interactions with May, she's realized that being a police officer is not actually accomplishing what she wants mm-hmm. to accomplish with life. And she's now using her connections to try to um, to get to get better treatment to get, you know, her uh, May's body is basically provided by social services and they're trying to figure out if, it's you know even up to a standard or whether social services is required to provide something better and so you know it's even through everything that people are doing even through everything that is acceptance and people being good to each other they they're still working through some really you know some really heavy problems mm-hmm. and i appreciate that that they cannot drag it down to where it has to be grimy or edgy or or any number of things that you would usually see tonally being conveyed for specific topic matter. But they're still able to handle things respectfully and still keep an air of acceptance and, I mean, really compassion, empathy for other living things. And that it's, you know, that it can be really wholesome without being squeaky clean. That mm-hmm. it's... That it's acknowledging the problems in the world, and it's not being in a utopia. It's just 
showing people navigating the the problems of the world and their own internal problems as well as they are able to mm-hmm. and so you know with with Faye being an alcoholic and with um you know with Rocco being you know still seeing the world as a police officer even as she's leaving that you know, all of the characters have their barriers that are holding them back, and so they're being the best characters that they can be. Even when that's not what we want them to be, it's still it's like it's like they're not they're not perfect, but they're good. Right. Which is I mean what we should strive for. Yeah. Just as as other human beings. You smell what I'm stepping in. <laughs> Yes. Well, yeah, that sounds delightful, and not at all what I envisioned when you're like, hey, I want to talk about questionable content on your podcast. (laughs) So, uh, is there anything that we haven't talked about yet concerning questionable content that you wanted to get into? I mean, it's a 16-year-long comic, so yes, but uh, (laughs) I think we've we've covered most of the stuff that is, is present in mind. And, uh, yeah. Well, if that is all that you have for me about that, then we're going to close things out with the speed round. We're going to play the speed round. Hey, guys, I didn't do the thing where I just made a noise and I said we were playing the blah, 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 blah game. And then I guess I did it now, but not during the... In- look, look, guys, old habits die hard. So we're going to play the speed round. Some of these have been pre-selected prior to the conversation. Some of them were jotted down during the conversation, and you just answer them as quickly as possible. Does that make sense? That does. All right. Who's your favorite character? A couple of months ago, that would have been really easy. Uh, Claire has been my favorite character for a long time, but Brune has been making a strong showing. Um... I do have two different stuffed animals named after Claire still, though, so I think she wins. Aw, that's, that's, that's super cute. If you could change one thing about questionable content, what would it be? I don't know what I would change. I... That's what makes these hard, Sprite. <laughs> that's the point of the speed round. <laughs> You answer hard questions quickly. That's kind of the name of the game. Bring back music. They used to talk a lot about music, and now they just kind of don't. Okay. If you can see questionable content, crossover, or collaborate with another franchise, or creator, or webcomic, anything, what would you like to see it crossover with? Think before you think. It is about a guy who can read minds. And... It takes the themes of acceptance and turns them up to 11. Because the whole premise is that he is... He's seen it all. And all of the, like, dark, nasty stuff you think, all of the judgmental stuff that you think, all of the stuff that you think that, you know, is, is really would be really embarrassing, he's seen it all. Mm-hmm. And, and none of it, it's like, he's seen everything. And he's just a really nice guy. And so, it has really similar themes to questionable content, 
it's a little more on the personal side. It's it's focused more on his relationship with a couple of characters. It doesn't have the kind of broad scope that questionable content has. Mm-hmm. But I think that those characters would... I would really like to see them in the questionable content universe because the themes line up so well. No, that's... That works well. Then my last question, which is usually the last question I ask, is... If the listeners have heard this show, and then they went and they have somehow benched 16 years worth of content, of questionable content even, for this webcomic, and they said, that was pretty good, I really liked that, hey, I wish there was more things like this, could you give them three recommendations to check out? Think Before You Think, which I already mentioned, would be the first recommendation of something like that. I think that Chaos comic by Tab Kimpton, um, it touches on uh, some kind of similar issues with queer identity and uh, acceptance, and it has the, the same kind of people, people kind of affirming their love for each other mm-hmm. and, and developing that love with each other. And um, I think the last one would be the comic that I talked about last time I was on this show, Yokohama Kaidoshikiko, which is, it has a similarly optimistic outlook and a similar kind of perspective of portraying good people who are going through going through their lives and and treating each other well. Alright, well, that's it for the speed round. Those are all the questions I had. That was that was good. Uh Thank I you. think I th- I think that's the end of our show. I think we did the show. I think we did a show, Sprite. <laughs> Alright. Yay. Yay. Uh did you have anything you wanted to plug before you got out of here today? Yeah, um, so I have a show on Twitch uh, every Sunday at 1pm. It's a mix of game development and storytelling and sometimes just some good old-fashioned game playing. And I try to really live the very similar ideals of acceptance and warmth and treating people well try to give people a space where they can just feel good. And that's uh, every Sunday at 1pm on uh, twitch.tv slash spriteguard. And, and, and give him all your money. Can they give you money? They should give you money. There is actually no way to give you money. Shit. Okay, guys. All the money you thought I... you were going to give Spriteguard, give it to me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dallas is a really cool person. And <laughs> deserves it. Just give me all your money. What you can do is you can find me on Twitter at Dallas Mulligan, but it's all going to be politics and you're going to hate me, so maybe don't do that. Uh, but you can also find the show at Mindful Self Pod. And, you know, you, you should definitely follow that one because it's actually content you'll care about. And you can email us at mindfulselfpod at gmail.com and let us know about shows that you want to see in the future or talk about past shows and all that fun stuff. Thanks again for coming on, Sprite. I really appreciate it. 
Thanks for having me. Mindful Self-Indulgence is a Retrograde Orbit Radio production. If you like the show, tell your friends and make sure to rate and review it on your podcast platform of choice. For more from the Retrograde Orbit Radio family, check out RetrogradeOrbitRadio.com. I think at this point I'm like, I'm like, I've gotten to the point where I can pick up what you're putting down and I'm refusing to do so. <laughs> That's fair. I, I appreciate you saying picking up what I'm putting down because I do that all the time. <laughs> You see? I, that one I picked up from you. Oh, did you? That that tracks. Yes. I also like, do you smell what I'm stepping in? <laughs> that one, that one makes me, that one makes my inner child giggle.